his head that there's a dog man running around in his woods that nobody's exactly. seen. It's sad to me. I, I mean, honestly, for, for I'm sad for Sean. Like, the world is Howard. not enough for him the way it is. You hit it no, listen, on no. And this it's is a cry to be special. You know, this is his thing. Right. Yeah, and also... Listen, no, I, the guy's the same. He goes out for a weekend and sees Sasquatch. I'd buy 100 days. All right, we're losing you in the woods over there. Good. Yeah. Good. Listen, <laughs> I, 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 I only got into Dogman dog, dog after I saw the eyes staring at me from, from the woods, and I was trying to do re, right, re, re, well, re, re, research as to what it could be. Shuli's going to be there, and you'll show him the, uh, the Dogman, okay? Okay. I mean, uh, that's I'm, it. I'm, re- I'm right, 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 ready. I'm geared up. I got, I got my tent, tent, tents and sleep, sleep eating bags. We're ready to rock. Oh, these tents set up. You know, I don't like even understand this. He works two jobs, and then all weekend he's in the woods. Yeah, well, that's called avoiding your family. <laughs> yeah, Matt, go ahead. Hey, Howard, does this guy pass a, uh, a lie detector test? If you give this guy a lie detector test, does he believe, actually believe all this shit that he says? You think he does, surely? 100%. Yeah, so it's 100%. a mental illness. I would love to see that. Extreme paranoia and uh, fantasy play. Or he knows more shit than any of us. And the grandiosity that he's the only one, you know, who can tell all these things. Well, him and and, uh, Vic Cuntlips. But he's out there (laughs) detecting and and experimenting. He's the scientist. He's the detective. He's everything. I love love this. I love the way way you guys spit. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Dogman Encounters Radio. I'm Vic Cundiff, and I'll be your host for the show. Before we bring on tonight's guest, if you've had a dogman encounter and would like to speak with me about it, whether in private or on the show, please go to dogmanencounters.com. You know, it would be funny. You go out in the woods with him, Shuli, and on Monday, Sean shows up to work wearing a Shuli skin coat. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and we can't find you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Vic Cuntlips. Thanks for calling Dogman. If you've seen a leprechaun, press one. If you've seen a dogman, press two. If you've seen Sasquatch, press three. If you've seen, uh, if you've fed uh, Dogman beef jerky, press four. <laughs> yeah. All right, here. To, you know, yeah. You guys, you guys like spit, spit, spit in this as if I'm doing something wrong and I'm trying to protect you all. It's ridiculous. Well, hey. Shawnee, as a man sharing a tent with you, I do not believe it's mental illness. I believe you 100%. <laughs> Bring a camera crew. I'll be yeah. mad if you don't. No, that's... Are you going to meet his wife and everything and the yes. kids? Yes, oh, I'm going to talk to his wife. Mm. Uh, his wife's very kind. <laughs> Let me uh, come up there and nice. interview her as well. Boy, oh boy. If you've been raped by an elf, press <laughs> nine. <laughs> Hi, I'm Vic Cuntlip. Hi. Hi, I'm trying to put the show together. All right, let's wind up this segment with a high-register Sean Dogman song. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like that, Sean? You, 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 you've got one of these? Yeah. yeah. If you've seen okay. Frankenstein, press pound <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I'll put you right in front. That's right. Call yeah. in on the red phone. If you've been bitten by Dracula. Frankenstein. <laughs> what? Seriously? Frankenstein? Frankenstein? Yeah. Now you just being no, silly. What about Frankenstein? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Frankenstein that's, that's, is real. What are you talking about? And, and they had the movie. Well, but on. maybe the movie was created to prepare yeah. us for the visit of Frankenstein. Not, 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 not you're just insulting my, my, my intelligence. <laughs> okay. Uh, There's a dog man in high registers backyard. There's one in my yard. He's a government created super soldier and he barks. Dog men don't bark. Dog man 
and he's shitting on the lawn. They howl no and growl. else has ever seen him except the people on the Dogman podcast. NASA faked the moon landing. Sandy Hook was a false flag. Hillary's a lizard and the earth is flat. You can't you can't trust the fact that 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 the main, 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 mainstream news is going to tell, tell, tell you everything you need you, you, that you need to know. Greatest song ever, right? Norman Greenbaum. It's just such a great riff. When I die and they lay me to rest, gonna go to the place that's the best, that's the best. When I lay down and die, going up to the spirit in the sky. Going up to the spirit in the sky. Spirit in the sky. That's where I'm going to go when I die. Oh, my God. Fantastic. He's going to the place that's the best. And what a rock and roll name, Norman Greenbaum. I love that he kept his name. This guy's my man. He's not embarrassed, you know what I mean? Not ethnically ashamed. Norman Greenbaum. You make music like this. Yeah, you can be any name. Oh, it's a must. I gotta have a friend in Jesus. So you know that when you die, it's gonna recommend you to the spirit in the sky. Spirit in the sky. Spirit in the sky. Each of those background singers were in this session going, This guy's out of it, man. It's wild. <laughs> Beautiful song. Uh, speaking of religion. Uh, I think this is appropriate to play for you now. This is a great, great phony phone call because it just points out the hypocrisy of religious people. I mean, this is actually a meaningful phony phone call that exposes the hypocrisy of religion. <laughs> Amazing. We did Amazing. something in a phony phone call that has some redeeming value. That's right. Here is um, <laughs> a, a deaf lady, one of our people uh, calling up as a deaf person, yes. calling into a religious show, which is even ridiculous because how does she hear them? Yeah, they, how does she even know they're on? But notice the logic here in the religious uh, phony phone call. That's right. We got a call online. Let's see who this is. Hello. Hello, dear. How are you? I've had a rough life. First off, I was born deaf. But I believe God made me deaf for a reason. Sure. Sure. I believe that, too. Yeah. I, I yeah. do yeah. believe that, too. And because I was deaf, I wandered into traffic, and I got hit by a car. Well, you, you know... Um, well, like you just said, God has a reason for everything he does. Bad or good, sometimes it might be bad. We think it's bad, but sometimes God does it for our good. Right. Oh. Amen. And then I lost my leg from the car accident and needed a blood transfusion. Even though it was an evil situation that happened to you, God still had a divine plan for your life. So we're blessed. Yeah. God, God lets evil run its full course with uh, uh, whether we understand it or not. You're right. And then they did that blood transfusion to me, and I got AIDS. My goodness. Well, like we say, so there's always a reason right. and purpose. Right. Everything God does. Oh, so God gave me AIDS for a good reason. That's right. Praise the Lord. That's right. That lets you know that uh, how God can get you through even some 
really bad situations. Hey, yeah, man. You're right. I know God have a plan. And that's why he gave me my beautiful girlfriend to be by my side. Uh, I love her so much. Praise oh, my goodness. Girl, she's, uh, 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 you need to be ashamed so of yourself. It was God's plan to make me a lesbian. Can you cut her out? I already did. Uh, you got to pray pray for that caller. We don't yes, hear him. It's just because uh, apparently you're not in the right frame of mind. You you need to be ashamed of yourself to even call on a religious program like this. Amen. Uh-huh. I know a place. Where is that place, honey? Ain't nobody crying. You know of a place yeah. where no one cries? Nobody worried, nobody crying. That ain't at High Register Shawnee's house. Yeah, there was a big barbecue that some of the guys went to. And yes. JD was wearing, uh, rocking some Roka glasses, and he enjoyed the rose wine that was served at the barbecue. Because, oh. you know, he's a wine That's guy. That's right, now. he's a wine guy. Yeah. You like the rose? Uh, yeah, it was good. I was uh, we we brought a bottle of wine with us. Uh, you know, it was it was a good time. Yeah, JD's is a was that the wine you brought? No, someone else brought the rosé. But it was good. It's a nice uh, day. To, it's a nice wine to have on a on a sunny day, sunny night, whatever. <laughs> whatever it was, we weren't there, JD. It was a day or night. On a sunny day or a sunny night. <laughs> when have you been out in a sunny night? <laughs> you fucking maniac. <laughs> it's a good one for a sunny night. Keep the sun out of my eyes. When it's midnight. If you ever find a sunny night, this is your wine. I love my rosé on a sunny night. I love my rosé. So what, how would you describe the taste of this rosé? Because I know you have a whole wine vocabulary. Oh, I, I I'm not that sophisticated in the no? wine. It just it, it was smooth, you know, and it uh, was good. Yeah, smooth is how you describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah smooth. A- any wine that's smooth is good to me. Right, smooth. Have you had yeah. wine that is let's not say smooth. rough with, yeah. lot, with with lots of tannins? Yes, tannins. Oh, tannins and a fruity flavor with yeah. a with a hint of fillet of fish. Was it fruity uh, or? Well, it was perfect for a moonlit afternoon. (laughs) It was smooth like mayonnaise. Yeah, JD's uh, got a whole thing going. Since he got married, and you know, he's got like the glasses now and the (laughs) beer. Does he stick out his pinky? No. (laughs) You know, how do you hold a wine glass? Well, I know you're supposed to hold it by the stem, but yes. I feel like um, I, I need I have to support it more, so I do hold it by the the glass, the you know the bowl, whatever. So I rest it on my stomach. <laughs> so you're saying that you know that when people drink wine, they're supposed to hold the stem, but you're saying you can't get a good grip on the stem. Yeah, I feel like I feel that it can tip over. You know any. I don't feel comfortable that way. So, so you still like an unsophisticated? You walk around holding the the cup. So yes, to speak. Yeah. I, I think it's more. It's it's okay to do it when you have red wine, but when you have white, since it's cold, it's supposed to be cold. It's you're not supposed to hold it by the glass because it's supposed it'll warm it up more or something. Or something. <laughs> or something. Send us some stuff. I like the new JD. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Listen to this. Someone told me this, and I don't even believe it. Oh God. 
JD and his wife bring their own his and hers matching wine glasses to events. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. Okay, we brought it to one event. My, my wife got these uh, glasses yeah. and she wanted to bring them out, so we brought them. Yeah, but why would you bring them out to somebody else's house? Like they don't no, have no, glasses. No, no, it was like an outside thing, so. Mm. There were no glasses? Huh? So people were just drinking straight from the bottle and you guys had glasses? (laughs) No, there were like other like plastic cups and stuff. But no, we brought, she brought these and we tried them out. I told you he's a sophisticated. Yeah. JD has glasses, will travel. Yep. I mean, they're not that fancy. They're like little plastic things. Sophisticated JD. (laughs) Did you ever dream? Showing up at a party with his own glasses? I never thought that would happen. When I met this guy, barely... He could hardly show up at the party. Hardly show up at the party and barely wore shoes. He <laughs> was coming barefoot. Let me see these glasses. Oh, wow. Look at this. Let me see. Yeah. You should get these, Robin. You're sophisticated. Hand me a picture. Uh, uh, oh, like, put it up nurse. to the glass. I you know, you see. don't need to see it. <laughs> Trust me. You don't need to see it. When we met JD, he was like Nell. Remember that movie, Jodie oh, Foster? Yes. It was like feral. She was raised in the woods by no one. <laughs> <laughs> I went from caveman to George Clooney. Right. Well, good for you, JD. I'm proud of you. I love getting these updates about your sophisticated It's eyes. beautiful. I'm sure, I'm sure you do. Beautiful, beautiful. Why were all the interns frightened by you? What? I don't know. When he first started, the interns used to, like, run away from him. That is true. They used to vote him most frightening. Most frightening now. All right, Robin. J.D. had written a movie about an axe murder, and everybody thought it was, like, a story about himself. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Will. Like like he's an axe murderer who his cover is that he writes stories about axe murder. Then the police catch him. Everything's based on the truth. Yeah, because the police catch him. Someone reads his book and realizes, oh, my God, these are these are facts only the axe murderer himself would know. I'm sure my my hygiene wasn't as as good then. And, uh, you know, whatever. You live and and learn. Sure. No, you've learned. Usually usually you learn through embarrassment on this show. Yeah, there you go. Well, thank goodness. Something (laughs) teaches you. I know. People are against shaming. I'm very much in favor of (laughs) shaming J.D. (laughs) His behavior becomes much better. All right. Thank you. By the way, I did get a lot of fan feedback, email, et cetera. You know, we get so much different input from uh, Twitter and Instagram. From all our various accounts, people excited Russell Crowe is coming in. Can't wait to hear Russell Crowe on the Stern Show. Uh, A lot of feedback on Brent's health from yesterday. On Tuesday's show yesterday, we spoke to Brent about fainting episodes he's been experiencing. I suggested perhaps three months of no drugs. Maybe that wouldn't be the most crazy idea to diagnose this thing and see if it's not brought on by vaping, etc., a lot of listeners decided they were qualified to give their own medical advice for Brent. I got to say, I'm I'm pretty impressed by some of these things. Somebody asks, is Brent on any beta blockers for anxiety, like propanol or propanol or something? That, <laughs> that could be the cause of his fainting. Okay. Tell Brent to look into PT, POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It has something to do with your blood volume reducing when you are standing upright. Uh, Brent, look up vasovagal syncope. Vasovagal. Vasovagal syncope. A vaso, vaso, okay. <laughs> Mimo, me, so, me, me. Vaso, vaso, co, syncope. 
Brent, do you ever get a deja vu type of feeling before you pass out? That's evidently one of the feelings if you have vasovago psychopath. <laughs> Howard, yeah. I think the vasovagal is the one that Brent thinks he may have. That's what a cardiologist well, told him. Well, it, it, the best advice I saw out of all the email, Brent should see a cardiologist. He should have a full workup. Right. I had a pacemaker put in at the age of 37. It was due to my heart not beating for 12 to 16 seconds at a time. My condition is called complete heart block. The electrical signals would not pass through my heart to cause the muscle to pump. Yeah, I, I like, um, you know, th this listener says uh, any doctor would, any good doctor would refer Brent to a neurologist and a cardiologist for yes. a full workup after passing out. He kept saying he's fit, so they aren't worried about his heart. I call bullshit. Heart issues have nothing to do with fitness. Yeah, I don't even think that Brent really went to a doctor. Yeah, I don't know that this person who said smoke all the pot you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, doctor. I, he found a doctor. Who, doctor feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brent is a hypochondriac. Well, I, I think if he's passing out, I don't know. That's proof that uh, something could be wrong. This guy goes, Brent is a hypochondriac. All those fainting episodes are fake. Brent is going through a full-on midlife crisis. It's hmm. obvious. If he's going to faint, it wouldn't be so bad if it happened while he was on the air. Boy, a lot of uh, medical uh, information. I did make an appointment with a cardiologist. I talked, uh, to, I talked to one yesterday. Yes. And he's going to see me in early July. He's going to get me in. So good. thanks, thank you to the show for that. Because, yes. Because that got me into a really good doctor here in Manhattan. Uh, you know, good. You know, a full workup is a good idea, pal. That's what that's what he said. He said we're going to do a full workup to make sure there's no serious heart issues yeah. because it sounds like a cardiovascular issue to this yes. doctor. Well, look, you know, by the way, Brent refuses to quit weed for three months. In fact, uh, there was a post-show interview yesterday that I heard oh, yeah? that it made me a little sad, Brent, when I heard this. Let what me let me this? play it for everyone. So, are you going to take Howard's advice? Uh, no. Why? Uh, I got stuff coming up that I want to do, and I. Uh, you know what? I'd rather have a medical issue than deal with uh, the world. Why don't you want to deal with the world? You can just take a look around. The, the world is an awful, depressing, horrible place to deal with. So, you know, marijuana has that chemical in it called fuck it. Uh, I've lived a good life. So if this is uh, if I'm not long for this world, then fine. But if not, I'm just I just do not want to deal with reality. You know, Brent, Lord. I have found that a lot of people who say, hey, you know what? I've, I've lived long enough. If, uh, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. And then as soon as they get diagnosed with something, they're the first ones to go, I don't want to die. You know what I mean? You don't want to die. No, I really don't. Um, yeah. But I do actually feel a lot better yesterday after talking to the, you know one of the guys that works in my office, not Julie. His wife has vasovagal, and she talked to me yesterday, which got me to talk to a cardiologist. Good. And there's a radio guy I know, uh, David Pakman, sent me a DM and said that he has vasovagal. Right. And it, it sounds like the same thing. So this cardiologist said, Let's do a full workup. Let's make sure that's what it is. Now you're talking, pal. So let's get in. So he got me an appointment in early July. I'm going right. to go in for a full day and do a full workup. Will you workup. curtail your weed at all? Uh, yes. And, you know, my wife reminded me last night that <clears throat> I do smoke a lot less than I used to when I first met her. I see. So oh, you cut back. But during... Your wife reminded you. You didn't remember. No, I did not remember that. It seems. <laughs> Brian on our phone says that you passing out definitely is drug related. I happen to believe this. Yes, Brian. Now, I'm not a doctor, so. But, Brian, I'm with you on this. Yeah. Hey, good morning, Howard. Yeah. I uh, started. Let's see. I went to a concert about 15 years ago, and this one I had my first episode. I, um, I ate some mushrooms, and uh, before I even got in the concert, I, I hit the ground. About maybe ten years later, I went to a rave. Um, had I, it was either Molly or ecstasy, 
And um, why are you shaking your head? Because yeah. because Molly and marijuana are miles but apart. But he said mushrooms. You would do yeah. mushrooms. Well, I mean, well, once or twice on. a year. Hold on. Let me- let, let me get to my point. And all, these these instances were like inst- instantly set in, and I had an instant reaction. But um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I started vaping, and um, and I I almost felt like I would have these episodes at work. Like I I it would. I wouldn't faint at work, but I would have to, like, I feel like I would have to sit down and catch my breath. Yeah, well, you know what, Brian, and, a lot of these, uh, I don't vape, so, uh, I mean, the, these guys are telling me around here that the vape has chemicals in it that uh, we're not even aware of. The, the the guy that is in charge of, that owns the company that I get mine from, yeah. texted me yesterday, and he, he said his are 100% organic with no pesticides in it. Yeah. What yeah, if the cardiologist I, I tells you to drop marijuana for three months, would you do it? Yeah. You would? Yes. Okay. If he tells me that that's what the issue is, and he did tell me that this vasal vagal, they call it, right? Um, he said everybody has different triggers, and he just uh, he won't know until we do a full exam. Yes, James. Hey, now has has anybody thought of putting Brent on suicide watch? He's he's clearly in the midst of a downward spiral. I don't know. I'm, no, I'm, I'm actually not I'm, there. No, I'm actually pretty happy. I would never kill myself. Says here, Brent is going through the biggest midlife crisis I have ever seen. He's, That's a possibility. He's so worried about drinking and partying and thinks that it won't be cool if he stops. Well, there, you know, there is peer pressure when it comes to these uh, drugs. I, well, I've been, <laughs> I've been. By the way, all the nurses wrote me. Uh, you know, my daughter is a nurse, and uh, everyone was all upset, Brent, with you and your comments about nurses. It wasn't know. all. It wasn't all nurses. It was just the one that. Was well, being, you did paint it with a pretty broad brush. It was just the one that was being disrespectful and, and mouthy. Brent, you're an asshole for basically saying nurses are only nurses because they couldn't be doctors. That couldn't be further from the truth. I always sided with you until today. You lost a fan, Brent. I guess Mehmet is right about you. Wow, now on the side of Mehmet and your ongoing feud with him. Did Brent seriously just insult the nursing profession? I get it. You're a little bitch that can't take any criticism, but to insult a nurse by saying you wouldn't listen to her because she couldn't get into medical school. Fuck you, Brent. Ooh. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I wouldn't listen to her because she started off cursing me out. So oh. I give the same amount of respect that I get. Brent should stop smoking weed and start doing heroin. I have him. Oh. I have him in my Stern Show death pool. That's kind of cold. Now that's a little. <laughs> Howard, <laughs> yes. I'm hearing that uh, Brent and his wife smoke weed in a special way that's like the strongest way you could smoke it it's called uh you do dabs or you're dabbing what is that that? that's been we haven't done that since 2014 gary what's dabbing uh, it's in california mainly i would get this in california where it was legal it's um they concentrate weed down into wax i see and then you can put it on in this special like pipe yeah and then one hit and you're high all day <laughs> wow but i haven't done that Amazing. since 2014 yeah i mean this here you can't really in all seriousness the condition of brent could be john what do you think it is johnny well, i brent honestly man i i went through the exact same things pretty close to the exact same things that you did and, and my and i went out and got all the tests on the cardiology i smoked weed for 30 years i smoked pretty heavily I was going through um some stuff in my personal life and, and to be honest with you when it boiled down to i went to the doctors thought it was hypoglycemic it boiled down to panic attacks panic and attacks you yeah. yeah you pointed something out very interesting you said uh earlier in the i think it was the after show the world is a horrible place and this and that so you may not realize that subconsciously you may actually be thinking about your life about the world it causes panic attacks and correct me if i'm wrong you did serve some uh uh, some time in the military, correct? Correct. You possibly may subconsciously be exposing yourself to some PTSD. I would personally look into more of the mind aspect. And Howard, I think you're going to be on on uh, on my side with that. I think it's all psychological, brother. 
I really well, we don't know. We're going to rule out card. You know, he's yeah, going to go to the card. rule out the physical. Right. All right. Before you do that. I definitely, I definitely would still go and get yourself checked out. Why? By all means, it doesn't hurt. Right. So um, go and get that done. But seriously, man, uh, the pot thing, yes, but it also triggers some some paranoia going on in your head. You don't realize it. A lot of this stuff that you're going through is psycho. Is, Could be. Is subconscious. And, I think Brent and has everything. I think he has cardiology <laughs> problems. I think he has psycho, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he has a psychiatric problems. <laughs> I think he's... Nah, you'll be the all right. one thing that fine. everybody agrees on right. is that he has a problem. <laughs> There's a problem. There's no yeah, question. Everybody's got problems. <laughs> well, Brent, keep us. The point is, a lot of people are talking about you, worried about you. Nurses hate you. And, uh, that's now, it. yeah, don't go to the hospital for whatever. Yeah. By the way, avoid at all costs. Brent from the future is on the phone. Real quick, how are you doing? In, how are you doing ten years from now, Brent? Hmm. Brent, ten years from now. I found out that I was just blinded by my own malignant narcissism. Yep, I found the light of the Lord, and I can't be any happier. You're now religious, Brent? Oh, absolutely, man. You know, I found it's not cool to be a Satan mark, man. Brent, you got to stop the rebellious rib. We're all fulfilled in the eyes of the Savior. So, Brent, in the future, you're saying 10 years from now, you find out that really what you needed was God, and now you believe in God. You're no longer an atheist. Yeah, man. You know, atheism is just farcical and divisive, and it should honestly be opposed at every turn. Yep. Yep. Wow, Brent, can you believe what you turn into? Today? I, wow. that was, that's a, this has got to be a, a, a farce. It's fake news. There's no way. It's the last thing. Jesus is the last thing I'm turning to. Hey, man, I'm going to Christian metal concerts and morning mass. Uh, what are you doing with your life, buddy? I would. Uh, Brent from the uh, Brent from the past, the one I'm talking to in the studio here. <laughs> do you uh, do you want to say something to Brent in the future? Um, give up religion immediately. It's a, it'll, it'll ruin your life. Give up substance and take up the Bible, man. Uh, Submit to Jesus and abate your malignant narcissism. Yep. Uh, all right. right. Well, there you go. And you don't smoke weed anymore, right? Oh, never, man. I'm just high on Christ, man. <laughs> yep. Do you ever go to swinging uh, activities anymore with your wife? No, no, no. Not at all, man. The only orgy I'm having is with faith and prayer. Now, okay. you Sounds and your terrible. wife uh, both took up religion? Oh, Sister Caitlin, she's doing great now, man. Yep. Uh, she's a nun. <laughs> oh, she's at a great parish, man. Yep. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't fuck around anymore either? No, never, man. Because honestly, it's like my favorite band, Trinity, says. Oh. God's not dead. He's surely alive. Living on the inside, roaring like a lion. <laughs> All right, Brent from the future. Uh, how do you like that? <laughs> Are you coming? Saw him at Godfest last month, man. Heavy stuff. All right. Thank you, Brent, from the future. There's your future, Brent. If there's a hell, that's it for me. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thank you, Thank Adam, you very much, Brent. There's your update on Brent. By the way, I do want to mention that uh, the Baba Buoys at the U.S. Open were in full abundance. Wonderful. <clears throat> yeah, let me play you a couple here. I, uh, As you know, uh, golf's 119th U.S. Open was held this past weekend in Pebble Beach, California, which is really one of the most beautiful places Isn't that in the world. a gorgeous place? It sure is. Uh, Robin and I were there together on our honeymoon. Yeah, we had a romantic weekend. Yes, we did. <laughs> and we were there for my daughter's wedding, yeah. actually. And uh, Robin liked it so much, you went back like the following weekend. No, I didn't. Oh. All right, a lot. Didn't you go back like 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 right away? You you loved the whole area where my daughter got. I her. was back there, but not at 
Oh. Pebble Beach. I was back in that same general yeah. area of mid, you know, the mid coast of California. I wasn't completely insane. Not completely, but right. almost. I was in high register Shawnee. <laughs> anyway, there were several Baba Booies yelled out by fans during the tournament. Here's Baba Booey during Tiger Woods' tee shot at the five. Ooh. Tiger won by 15 as we go to the fifth. 204 yards. Just a little bit of helping breeze, not a ton. Tiger's got a seven iron, guys. It's going to have to get every last drop of this one. Isn't that nice? Yes. There was Very another. Nice. Yes, there was another Baba Booey after Tiger's tee shot at the ninth. Oh, they were following Tiger all the time. Yeah, a lot by Tiger. Tiger found the bunker off the tee here at nine, 236 yards to the hole at this par four. Not a nice. more difficult shot than this. Noin. <laughs> noin. Noin, 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 noin. I like this one. A fan gave an aggressive Baba Booey after uh, Rory, how do you say it? McElroy? McElroy. 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 Anyway, uh, this is a rather aggressive Baba Booey. Listen to this one. Here at five. It's Rory McIlroy, four under. Yeah, he likes to draw the ball. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I love it. There were back-to-back Baba Booies after Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson hit their tee shots at the 16th. Uh, very impressive. Now Phil Mickelson. From 156 down the hill, plays seven down, so 149. well short here. Almost a full club off there. We'll stay here for Dustin. Ball laying up against the edge of the first cut, but not an issue at all. Just clips it right off the fairway there. <laughs> Isn't that something? I love it. There was somebody who said to me, oh, how do you pay those people to do Baba Booey at all these golf tournaments? I go, we don't pay anybody. Those are just fans doing yeah. their thing. They, they have a devotion to the show like no other. There's a lot of heroes out there, unnamed heroes who are doing these Baba Booies. Yep. I know what you're thinking, Robin. Was there a hit him with the hind? Is that over with or is that, you know? I always hit him wonder with the how is hit him with the hind going? There was a beautiful hit him with the hind. It happened during Dustin Johnson's tee shot at the 17th. But the fucking announcer talked over it. Oh. I mean, uh, I'll play it for you, but uh, this guy this guy was right on mic almost. Dustin Johnson at 17. 204 to carry the front left bunker. Hit him with the hind. He tried yeah. to sneak it in there. He got, you know, this guy, you're supposed to quiet down after the shot a little bit so you could leave room for the Baba Booies and hit him with the hind. <laughs> that was a very masculine hit him with the hind. And yes. I, I appreciated that. Hit him with the hind. So Bowie lives on. Baba Bowie at these uh, golf tournaments, especially. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking one night, I said, you know, a hundred years from now, when they're still saying Baba Bowie. Yes. At the U.S. Open. After we're long gone. That's right. Yeah. Said, Baba Bowie. They Baba may Bowie. not even know why they're saying it. Fly, Baba fly, flow, fly. Baba, 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 Of course, if you notice, this is the Gladiator theme, Russell Crowe's movie. Of his visit today.
<laughs> that was Daniel Mendelssohn. Beautiful song. Uh, in honor of Russell Crowe, we do that too. Uh, Gladiator. Robert. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that. Yes, Donnie. Donnie in Kentucky. Everyone loves Kentucky. Well, some people. Yeah. Um, hey, <laughs> hey, you know, I love a good skit as much as anybody, but I'm telling you, you cannot send Shirley out in the woods with that lunatic. <laughs> I mean, no, I am a little I concerned. Mean, <laughs> I mean, you got to think from a workers' comp perspective, too. But, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> no, I love Shirley's attitude. I like that Shirley's going out to Sean's place, but, um, yeah, I am a little concerned. Yeah, so, Sean with his amateur detecting yeah he will surely rig up something that'll get them into trouble right and he's hanging meat off a tree in the well, woods well that's what i'm saying it's like yeah. they'll you know he'll probably catch surely he won't catch right. this dog man no i don't want surely getting shot out there <laughs> you know i can see surely well, going know, for I'm a leak and he does, like and like, then shawnee has to cut right. him up because he can't have right. the body found in all seriousness and blame it on the dog man no, we will uh i will talk to surely and everyone will uh you know vet the situation and make sure it's safe okay because right. i've always even been more pro brent but uh if surely does this you know screw brent's prior uh, military service surely might be the bravest guy in the building if, he, right. if he does this i'm just saying yes yes indeed all right donnie thank you thank yeah and you know if surely gets shot by a high register sean he's going to milk it for a year of medical leave oh yeah. he'll be sitting there with that what xbox xbox <laughs> recuperating let's go to forever. kevin yes kevin Weird thing goes on. I ask for people, and I go, "Hey, Kevin," and then it like it takes a like, full minute. For yeah, them to... it's almost like we're over. They're overseas somewhere, right? You know what I mean? Like it's like a delay. Like I see that on TV. You know, the guy doesn't say yes, Brent, or whatever it is, right? Uh, for a few seconds after he's been introduced, Kevin, you there? <laughs> All right, Tyler. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Hello? Yes. Can you hear me? What? Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear Hi. me? Hello? I can't really hear you. Hello? Hi. Anybody there? Hi, Howard. Hi, Howard. Who? Hello? Hello? All right. Come on, Tyler. Go ahead. Enough of this bullshit. Um, so I wanted to call about Brent and him passing out. Yeah, we got it covered. He's going to go to a doctor. No, but I have the same issue. I have the vagus nerve. Where um, if something happens when, um, like, I'm shocked or something, I pass out. Or um, I also have the issue where if I sit for too long and then I stand up, I'll pass out. Wow. I had that happen to me recently. And um, I stood up too quickly and I went to go sit on the couch. And then I passed out, hit my wow. head on That's the hot. street. Are you hot? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'd be pretty hot. You're with a hot girl, and she passes out. Yeah, just passes out. Oh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say I'm yeah. hot. Feel <laughs> All right, anyway, so what is that called again? Vago, vague, what is it? The vasovagal. You yeah, have something the, or other. It's syncope. the vagus nerve. Are you doing the vasovagal? Yes. Um, right. My doctor said that um, they, he's not so much worried about why I'm passing out, but what happens when you pass out? Because right. I passed out, hit my head, and gave myself a concussion for eight months. Oh, my God. 
Well, there you go. Yeah. That's Well, that's why I'm trying to help Brent with this so he doesn't ignore it. So is there a treatment? Yeah, I mean... You know, Brent's like a, no, a weird guy. Not- like, he passed out everywhere, and he and he, like he goes, yeah, you know, I just pass out. You know, it was like, no big deal. And I'm like, You know, no. I got in the car, and I really thought about it after the show, and I said, his first time was 2012. That's seven years of passing, passing out, out and not, doing and not finding out why. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, hardcore. Yeah, my first time passing out was when I was in high school. I passed out mm. when I was going down the stairs. I broke a nerve in my leg and broke my thumb wow. because I... Topple down the stairs. That's terrible. Yeah, it's not. I haven't passed out in like a couple years, but I can tell like right before it happened that this is what's happening. Right. That's the same thing he described. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tyler. So what's the cure for this vasovagal? She says there's no treatment. Wow. No. Yeah, it's more you got to like just be aware of what's going on. And I smoke weed, too, and that's not any... Anything that causes it. So okay. I agree with Brent on that aspect. All right, Tyler. Well, we're going to look into it. We're going to get him some uh, medical, uh, some real medical advice. And uh, we're also making Brent wear a helmet here at work. So. Well, that's what I was thinking. That, well, the padding. Might, we're going to the padding. The best, that might be the best, just in case. Anytime he can just fall it whenever he wants. All right, thank you, Tyler. What did she say? I don't know. You don't know. Sometimes I don't even pay attention to what the callers are saying. All right, I got to take a break. I'll come back. We're going to talk to Russell Crowe about his uh, phenomenal new role as uh, Roger Ailes. It's really mind blowing. I wonder if he had fun doing that because it's such a dark yeah. character. Yeah, but actors have fun. I mean, if they don't have fun, then what's the point of living? No, I mean in the just playing that role, just being that creepy. He loved it. Kind of guy. Gotta love that. Really? I, if I if I was an actor, I'd want, only want to play creeps. <laughs> That's what I relate to. All right, we'll be back right after these words. That Sammy Hagar. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. That's from that uh, what album? For Chicken Foot. Yeah, Chicken Foot. Yeah. I love this. Listening to it, and I said, Now, who is this? It? That's Sammy. Yeah, Sammy Hagar. Russell Crowe is, uh, gee, I, I think he's been nominated three times for an Academy Award. He's won one. Uh, he's had a string of hit movies like nobody else. Now he's here, and he's playing. Uh, there's a show called The Loudest Voice coming out on Showtime. He's playing Roger Ailes. I've seen the first three episodes. It's fucking awesome. Let me take there a look he at you. Let me see Hello. you. Look at you, a real movie star. Let me take a look. <laughs> I'm seeing, you know, you still, I still think you got a little of the Roger Ailes character in you. You think he's still carrying it around? Hold on, let me get these. Are you still, are you still carrying around? (laughs) (laughs) Go away, Gary. No, the microphone is in there. (laughs) Russell, put on the the headphones are a pain in the ass, but you see the mic is in it? I will be with you momentarily. Yeah, so you've got to be responsible with him. How are you doing? uh, Can't go up and down too uh, dramatically. Hey, how you doing? Good man. How you doing um, with being up this early? Is you, are you an early morning guy? Get or? The fuck out of here, man! What do you mean? <laughs> seriously, how are you doing with what, this? What I like to do is I like to get up before the sun. Before the sun, mm. you're an early morning riser. Me mm. too. It's the quiet time, right? Yeah, it's the most productive time of my day. Do you go to bed super early? Well, you have to. You have to do it. Yeah, and yeah. I, but I like that too. I like that anticipation of like the day is coming to an end. Have I got sort of stuff out of the way? And then it's just, yeah. You know what blows my mind about you? Uh, you're in Australia. You're on two stamps. 
I mean, uh, uh, postage stamps, right? <laughs> yeah. Russell Crowe is on two stamps yeah. in Australia. They love you in Australia. Yeah. You've lived uh, most of your life in Australia. But you are having trouble becoming a citizen of Australia. Am I correct? Yeah, that's a, that's a sort of a complex uh, situation. They changed the law. I didn't bother with it because... Um, You're a citizen you know, of New Zealand. Yeah, I, well, I was born in New Zealand, but I got to Australia first in 1968. Right. So when I, I I moved back to New Zealand with my parents when I was a teenager, but the whole time that I was in New Zealand, I thought I'm missing home, right? Because I'd grown up in in the city of Sydney, and Sydney was my sort of, uh, you know, it was my hood, the, you know, and uh, so I went back as an adult, as a 21 year old. So I've lived, you know, 90 percent of my life in Australia, and but they changed the laws around about the time when. My entire life was taken up with movies and awards shows that you mentioned and stuff between 2000 and 2002. Right. Including winning a bunch of, of stuff. Um, winning a lot of stuff. Yeah, they changed the law that you had to be in the country for 10 months of a year uh. in one of the years, 2000, 2001 or 2002. To be a citizen. And I just wasn't, you know. <laughs> you weren't there. So you were working. working. It's like, yeah, but so, and... At working and being given awards based on the fact that I'm a quote unquote Australian actor, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, it's a professional Australian, no less. You know? Isn't the world sometimes maddening? I mean, it really is. I yeah. mean, it's so silly. But and I've had a couple of situations where immigration. Uh, well, I won't put anybody in the in the soup. But I've had a couple of situations where people who have the power to do so have gone nudge nudge, wink wink, put in your forms. Bob's your uncle, you know. Right. And I'm like, but there's 350,000 other New Zealanders caught in the same trap. And if I, if I take the nudge, nudge, wink, wink route, what happens right. to them? I think that's you very know? admirable. In other words, you've said, look, I could move to the head of the line and become a citizen of Australia, but I want to do the process the same way every New Zealander has to do it. Well, no, I'm saying examine this absurdity yes. and get rid of it. If you've contributed to the country, I mean, what's it based on citizenship, you know? Yeah. You know, just my tax bills alone, excuse me, you know, yeah. you know <laughs> let me in. Um, but the thing is, I'm married in Australia and I had two, I've had, I have two Australian Your kids. ex-wife is Australian, yeah. your two children are Australian and yeah. you're not. And, you know, I only own real estate in Australia, for example. Right. You know? Did you ever uh, want to become an American? Or are you afraid well, of Americans? <laughs> good song. Um, yeah, real good. Uh, I, I proudly will say that I grew up viewing America as the greatest example of how to get things done in humanity. You know? Right. And I definitely wanted to be a part of America. In other words, when you, you know? were a kid growing up, you'd look at America, you see the space program, you see the, you see Manhattan with its incredible restaurants and, 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 and Broadway. And I mean, it's an incredible Broadway country. I'll go with. I don't right. think I was the, thinking the about restaurants? the restaurants when yeah. I was a kid. No, but I mean, when you see the, when you see what Americans have accomplished in the world, yeah. it's quite impressive. Yeah. And that, and we were always sort of, no matter what it was, sport or whatever, you're always sort of looking up to, where the American who's the best at that is, you know, and that was your sort of measurement. And so when an Australian athlete or an Australian team would do well against America or a New Zealand team for that matter, you know, it would be a great thing and a celebrated thing. Um, I think by the time I started working here and, you know, spending a lot of time here, I just knew it was healthier for me to always consider Australia home and to go outside of 
that box. I mean, you know, I've learned to love Los Angeles over time. A young actress actually opened my eyes after so many years of me going there and always thinking that L.A. had a sort of dark side, and it kind of did when I first went there, you know. Were you scared when you first went there? Oh, man, petrified. Right. You know, because nobody else was doing it, Howard. Right. I, I wasn't following anybody. You know, Mel had had some success, but Mel was an American. Right. And so there was no bridge, you know. The only person getting any real attention just from a pure acting point of view was a lady called Judy Davis. So people used to say to me, oh, you want to be the next Mel Gibson? I'd go, no, I want to be the next Judy Davis. <laughs> yeah, because it's scary to come you know? here as an actor <clears throat> from Australia. You've, I mean... Now we see, oh, it seems like almost everyone's Australian who's acting in America. Well, but back then it wasn't such a common thing. I think, you know, the way I like to sort of view it, and this is very much through a singular perspective, my eyes, what happened was Nicole Kidman married into American royalty. Right. And Nicole Kidman Tom Cruise. is a great supporter of the arts, particularly Australian arts. And she began to converse in those power rooms about Australian film. So when I was doing films like Proof or The Crossing or Romper Stomper, these films were being seen unusually because she'd begun that conversation. And they were films that were of a certain quality. And when you did so. Romper Stomper, Sharon Stone, Sharon Stone was the one who saw you in Romper Stomper, and then she brings you over to America to, 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 to be in film? Well, I, I had gone to the Cannes Film Festival in 91 uh, with a movie called Proof, which is about a blind photographer, a metaphor for trust. And um, I'd met a few American uh, agents and what have you, and I decided that the following year would be the year that I would go into L.A. So I went into L.A. in 92. Uh, I met with a bunch of agencies. Luckily for me, because of things like Cam, my work had already done, you know, some work for me. But, you know, I would get very close to a film but never not get it. So between 92 and the end of 93 is literally dozens and dozens and dozens of film auditions that lead, and meetings that lead to, to nothing. You, know? you always knew you were going to be an actor, right? From the time I was a little kid. Yeah, I mean, you started acting, what, six years old? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So come the end of that process, and just when it's starting to feel a little like, gee whiz, what am I doing here, you know? Uh, but I was coming and going. I would never stay because I was always working. I was working in Australia. Or I was working in Canada. I would come in. My agent would give me a list of meetings. I would hire a Volvo and a cell phone. I called myself a shoe salesman. And he would give me a list of meetings on a Monday that he expected me to complete by the end of the week, but I'd do them on the Monday. Yeah. Call him on Monday evening and say, what am I doing tomorrow? And he'd be like, what the hell are you doing? You know, but I sort of, you know, I, I, I kind of made the decision, if you're going to be brave, mate, you know, both feet over the line, you know? Yeah. And the gag I used to say back at the time was when everybody wasn't watching and everybody was concentrating on somebody else, Sharon Stone saw this film and decided I had to be in a movie with her and she had sort of some power coming off basic instinct and everybody in the whole system of that movie told her there's no way in the world this unknown Australian guy is going to be playing between you and Gene Hackman and Leonardo DiCaprio. What a cast. And that was exactly the right thing for me for her to say to her. Right. <laughs> you know, you can't do it. She's like, well, I'm doing it. And right. Oh, that took yeah. balls. Mm. You must love her for that. Oh, she's just splendid, man. And every time I see her, I just saw her recently. She was doing a, a photo shoot for some European magazine. And 
you look at her and you go, well, aren't you just spectacular? Yeah. <laughs> look at who you still are, you know, yeah. and the way she talks about things now, focused she is and, and, and connected to the things that she's passionate about. She's a lovely lady. Yeah, I mean, those are people you love, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. You know, the thing that blows my mind with this, uh, Roger Ailes, so Russell Crowe is in something called The Loudest Voice. It's going to air on Showtime. It's a spectacular performance. I, I was saying, Robin, um, I only saw the first three episodes. That's what they sent over. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to watch the rest. I know. I was left hanging. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Episode five is going to blow your mind. <laughs> I mean, uh, what a fucking story with this guy. Yeah. Is, it, is he really that evil when you, when you think about it? I mean, the, you know, movies and TV shows always have to sort of be a little bit over the top. Was the guy that much of a fucking monster, Roger Ailes? Is that what you got from it? Because I think he's quite charming. No. Oh. oh, no, 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 no. He scares the shit out of me. I mean, I mean, when he's in a room alone with a girl, and oh, the, I mean, he's just a freak. Me. I mean, but the guy was a brilliant guy. He, he was a brilliant guy. It's and, very complicated, man. It's so complicated because some of it's got to do with, I mean, think about Roger, right? Right. This His is, by age. the way, the guy who started Fox News. He dreamt yeah. up this whole thing. But by the age of 26, you know, he went to college and stuff, and, and he was you know, he was a piano player. He played show tunes. He always wanted to be on Broadway. By 26, he finds himself the executive producer of the Mike Douglas show. Yeah. Now, so in those years then, at the end of that, you know, at Mike Douglas, and then he goes into the Nixon campaign for something that he said backstage to Richard Nixon. He made an offhand comment because Nixon was like going, you know, this process of television is like boring and pointless and blah, blah, blah. And Ailes just had the nuts to turn around and say, if you don't begin to understand television, you'll never win another election in your life. I love that story. I mean, this yeah. guy Ailes had balls. Mm. I mean, sometimes so inappropriately so. I mean, when... So inappropriate. Like he would walk up to a, a, a an Arab gentleman and say, I hope you don't fly a plane into one of our buildings you, you show that in the movie i mean the guy is just fucking insane but at the same point it's digging that, up that stuff was yeah. a lot of the, the fun of, of discovering roger because he did a lot of interviews and conversations and stuff and he'll just slip in these turns of phrase you know like if you want to paint your ear and white and run with the antelope now's your chance <laughs> but he's one of these tough guys you know i don't know that he ever served in the military or anything like that no. he was a guy he was a guy who was a producer no. in hollywood from yeah. mike douglas and then it seems like he's a guy who hated Hollywood. Like he becomes this guy who hates the um, the Hollywood elite, and he becomes this guy who be- you know creates something that is like bashing Hollywood. It's weird. Yeah. He's a weirdo, I mean, it, <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he's just a fucking weirdo, but not but so brilliant. weird that it doesn't make great TV. Oh, great TV. TV. No, I mean, no. I really, I, I Look, compare he's a complicated this- guy, but that's what makes it interesting to do. You know, yes. because what are his influences? Why did he get to this point? You know, he goes through the process of playing him and you realize at a certain point, age starts to catch up on him and he forgets where the ground is and where the artificial land is that he created. Uh, you, know? you know what this movie reminds me of? The Godfather. You see, mm. I when I wow. watch it, all of a sudden I found myself, I had to take a walk in the street. You know, sometimes you watch a movie that shows you one of these powerful guys who's like really in control and he's ruling the world. I'm walking around the street thinking I could do great things. You know, I got all inspired <laughs> like for a moment. And it's oh, the dear. same feeling I had with The Godfather. Like, right. here's a guy who's controlling the Fox News Network, which right. is huge. It becomes the number one cable news network. But he's so he's like um, he's he's ruthless and he's got this vision of the world that is so scary. 
And, you know, when he, when he decides to call, he says, don't refer to Barack Obama as Barack Obama. Tells all the newscasters, say Barack Hussein Obama. I mean, it's so devilish, isn't it? Well, but then they ask him why, and he says, because it's respectful like Martin Luther King. Yeah. So you go another level. <laughs> you know, you've just gone subterranean on the evil here. You what know? do you think uh, Roger L's family is going to think of this? I mean, they, you portray his son as being terrified of Roger. hes I, I don't blame him. It seems like the kid's ready to shit his pants every time he's around Roger. Uh, has anyone in the production heard from the Ailes family? Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't been told that. Look, you know... It's a big thing to take on. And that change that Roger brought about by focusing on conservatives as an audience for news, um, you know, there is, you know, a balancing, a rebalancing that went on. But the end resonance of what he has begun, I don't think he ever really fully assumed, you know. Right. Um, because oh, to him, no, because he's a very playful intellect as well. Roger, you know, right, and, and he quite often said, you know, if ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, you know, the Post, the, the Times, if they didn't have a left-leaning bent, right, then Fox News would have been the opposite of whatever way all of those people were leaning. He was just looking for an audience. It's a slice of the market. That's what he saw. You know? But the hypocrisy is great in the, uh, this guy, Roger Ailes. I mean, he's Mr. America. He's raising the flag at his house every day. He's worried about the, uh, you know, the country. And then he gets into a room with a woman and he's fucking molesting her. He's ordering around, get me my shoes. Get me my shoes. Freak me out. When he goes, get me my shoes. He's like a little king, you know? I mean, you motherfucker, you want to just fucking hit him, right? I mean, it's it, the hypocrisy, you know? All these guys, the religion, and they wrap themselves See, in the I, flag. I, I was wondering, you know, what we were going to talk about today, and I was trying to, you know, put it in a, a place in, in, in my head, it took sort of a timeline. And what I was getting at before is you think about... Roger Ailes in a position of power as executive producer of a TV show at a time when television is still relatively new. People are desperate to be on TV. Right. And this is a period of time where he goes from television into politics. And that period of time, the 67 to 69, that, you know, that spans the summer of love and an awakening in, in the culture in this country, sexual right. revolution, et cetera, you know, and he has that position at that time. So now I'm born in 64. So I'm the, I'm the bottom end of the the generation of power that Roger is the top of, right? Right. So in my life as a young actor, the reason I have such a definitive empathy with the women who are, you know, uh, at the end of, of what he's doing is because I've experienced all that. Yeah. You know? Going through, if you think about me as a young actor, and it's not, you know, it's, male executives or female executives you you know on my pathway through it's been a lot of occasions because i wasn't always the bloke that played gladiator man right you know i was you know this young skinny bloke at the end of the freaking line looking for auditions trying to break into theater blah 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 you know and there's times that have come up in my life where you, you question your own morality and you make your choices you know right so but that it's never been right you know, and the fact that we are now focused on it right. and we're seeing it for what it is and we're calling it out couldn't be a better situation for everybody. That's because, right. you know, I mean, there's a very big difference between, 
you know, simple, you know, shitty behavior uh, or misunderstanding that somebody doesn't like you as much as you might like them, you know? Right. We always, you know, all of us have probably had that embarrassing sort of moment, you know? Um, and, and the actual use of your power to command somebody to fulfill your request because that is the difference between you're being employed and not employed or right. you're progressing and not, you know, that's just got to stop. Yeah, well, that that's why the movie movie's very powerful. The the Showtime, uh, you know, this this this, this uh, portrayal of Roger Ailes. I mean, it just shows guys who abuse their power, people mm-hmm. who just play with people like they're playthings because they're in a situation of power. It's very fucking strong. What about the uh, the actual nuts and bolts of acting? The the uh, losing. I, I love how you lose an accent. This the, the Roger Ailes accent, if you will, well, the well, American yeah, accent. It's kind of uh, it's a hybrid, man. I was looking at all of Roger's stuff and the interviews and everything. What do and, you look at? What did what did is Roger Ailes? He must have been heavily interviewed. I mean, you had a lot yeah. of tape to watch, yeah, right? But, but very, you know, not the not sort of what you'd call the big stuff. He's not on Letterman or that sort of stuff. He's not yeah. on the Howard Stern show. No, but he's doing Carl and people like that. Right. And so they can be, like, you know, quite long, very deep, complex conversations yes. where you can hear him talk. And you know, what his do you do? voice is not from from where he's from. His voice is a creation just like all the other things in his life, you know? You mean you know? he wanted to sound more sophisticated? He uh, had to live in D.C., man, yeah. you know, with Nixon. Yeah. You know, a man he still admires. He <laughs> 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 loves him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he's created himself. He's, a, you know, a, a, a literally a self-made man. Do you think his accent was an affected accent, the way he spoke, in other words? Yeah, but he- not affected in the way that somebody just throws off you know, a, a, a phrase or whatever, he is affected right. by his environment. So, you know, he, the way he talked when he was the executive